Um, I'm going to give a, a, a pretty high-level outline of some things and, and try to categorize and simplify some things for some people that, that maybe will be a help to us. And, and if you're a Christian here and you've been saved for a long period of time and these things are, are easily known to you, perhaps it will help consolidate them into easy thoughts that will be able to be presented to others uh, as well and be clear on them. And uh, um, so I just want to try to try to be a help to you. We're going to look at a number of a number of verses here in chapter number one and chapter number two. And so let's begin reading, if you will, in uh, in verse number ten of chapter number one, verse number ten. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, I want to stop here for a moment, but he's, he's speaking here of having uh, a common spirit, a, a common attitude, and that there not be divisions. And he's speaking here to a church uh, specifically. One of the most uh, damaging things, I think, to a church is when uh, there gets to be uh, sides that are taken by people, groups of people inside the church that differ on doctrinal issues or perhaps Bible principle or interpretation of Scripture in a particular passage. And I will say this, that uh, every person in here, if you were to take every single one of us, you won't find any two that will agree on every letter of everything that we hold to here. You just won't. You're not going to find them. It's not the Bible's fault. It's ours. We're fallible. We're the ones that can't understand it. So when we say a statement like that, we're not saying it's because the Bible is confusing. It's not. It's truth. And God has made it very, very clear. The problem with that is sometimes we don't understand it. Or we understand it one way and somebody else understands it another way. Can I encourage you in this? Believe what you believe God has put in your heart, for conscience sake, according to Scripture. Make sure it's in line with Scripture. Make sure you compare it with other Scripture and that there's no conflict in the context of the truth. And, and, and don't get at odds with other people over it. Uh, it's okay to express what your, your position is. Brother Tully and I were talking today. There, were, there was one issue, one thing of Scripture. We, he and I just brought it up. We were talking. He sees it a little differently than I do. He shared his position. I shared my position. And uh, we, we smiled and went on about it. That doesn't mean we're enemies. It doesn't mean I have to separate from him. Now, if it's a doctrinal issue uh, on the deity of Christ or the virgin birth or um, salvation, then yes, there's going to be a line drawn there. But we're talking about things in Scripture that he and I just have a differing point of view from. Um, And I would just say this, that Paul is addressing this church and saying you need to be of the same mind. The best way that I know to accomplish this in a church, and I believe it's what Paul deals with as we look at this, because he spends almost a vast majority of chapter number one and a good part of chapter number two dealing with how to be able to be of one mind and of one accord. And that is this, that we all look to the Bible as our source of truth. I know we as Baptists hold to that, and we say that it is our sole authority and our only authority of faith and practice. But I, I was talking with um, Brother Harold here a while back, and, and he made a statement that I guess we all know it, I had never seen it put into these words before, but he made this statement. He said, 
Every belief system out there, every religion, every denomination, every, every kind of belief that you can imagine that is out there can be categorized into one of two headings. Works or faith. And really, it's that simple. I, I don't mean to oversimplify the issue, but that's what it boils down to. You have people that say, I'm saved by works, and you have the Bible that says, I'm saved by faith. Now, one of the things that I think is very, very important for us to understand is, where did these two thoughts come from? How do I know which one's right? Well, we know that the works are not found in Scripture. And because they're not found in Scripture, then the, any belief that deals with us working to get to heaven, working to have our sins forgiven, having to live a certain way in order to make it to heaven one of these days, anything that teaches along those lines had to come from man's wisdom and man's mindset and man's logic. There's a problem with that. Man is fallible. Man makes mistakes. And I'll say this, man lies. The Bible says, if a man say he hath no sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If a man says, I'm living good enough to make it to heaven, then he's telling us that he has kept the law of the Old Testament perfect, without exception. He was born without sin. That's, that's impossible for any of us to do, born without a sin nature. And uh, so we find that, that this all had to come from a man's point of view. The idea of being saved by faith, I find all throughout Scripture. In fact, Paul is going to deal with it here as we look into chapter 1. We're going to look at some things here. And so I find that I have a source that teaches me that, that salvation is by faith alone coming from God. Well, there's some things I know about God. I know that God is infallible. He is not able to make a mistake. And He does not lie. So if I have to choose, after 30-some years of, of reading the Bible, studying the Bible, trying to find out where's truth, and I have to make a choice, I get to choose either what God says, and I trust Him, or I choose what man has said, and I trust Him. We're pretty prideful creatures. And our nature wants to do what we can do to make it to heaven. That's, that's, that's human nature. It's part of how we are. It's our flesh. But the Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, man. And that no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should both. For without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. Over and over again, we find that God says, it's by faith. And over and over again, as I look around at all the teachings that are out here, man says that it's works. Which one am I going to believe? I hope I'm going to believe God. I want to make sure that we understand something. Paul was concerned at the church in Corinth. And as we get to verse chapter number 1, I want you to notice as he says this, he says in verse number 11, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren. So he's speaking here of the church. By them which are of one, which are of the house of Chloe, that there be that there are no that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, 
and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. In other words, there were, there were groups inside the church at Corinth. There was, by the way, there's only one church in Corinth at this time. There were groups inside the church, and some said, I believe what Paul teaches. And some people said, I believe what Cephas teaches. And some people said, I believe what Apollos teaches. And some pious people said, uh, we believe what Christ teaches. And really, they were holding to their own view of things. But they said, we are of Christ. I want you to notice what Paul says here. He said, this was the division that was taking place. People were not looking to this right here. They were looking to a man, and to a man, and to a man. Notice what Paul says here. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul was saying, well, wait a minute. If you're looking to me, you're looking the wrong place. By the way, if you're coming to Keith Ice Baptist Church because Brother Greg is so good looking and athletic and smart, you're looking the wrong place. If you're coming here because you think Brother Greg has truth, I teach truth, but I don't have it. It's something that the Bible has. I'll tell you the truth I've tried to come up with in my life. Well, I even scratch my head about it most of the time. I told somebody the other day, I don't believe most, most of what I, what I say I believe many times, unless it comes from God's Word. When it comes from God's Word, then I know the source. I know that it's not fallible. When I preach, I can preach with great confidence and with fervency because I'm not teaching what I think. I'm teaching what the Bible says. It makes a big difference that we understand truth here. And so we find as we get to verse number 14, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius were two. He said, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ, notice this, sent me not to what? Paul said, for Christ sent me not to baptize. By the way, somebody that's out there that says you have to be baptized to be saved, that's a great verse right there. Paul was sent to be preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and he says, I wasn't sent to baptize. If his purpose was to see the Gentiles come to Christ and get saved, you'd think that God would say, go and preach and make sure you baptize them, because that's part of it. Paul said, I didn't come to baptize. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to what? Preach my message. Is that what Paul said? No. He said, preach what? Preach the gospel. This is where Paul's confidence came from. Paul was saying, listen, if you have a choice here, you don't take what men say. Don't even take what I say. Take what God says. By the way, any pastor worth his salt would get in the pulpit and tell you the same thing. Don't take me for your authority. Take God's Word as your authority. I've said so often before, I've been wrong before in the pulpit. I'm sure I'll be wrong again in the pulpit. I hope and pray somebody tells me when I'm wrong so that I can fix that. And I think any preacher worth his salt would be that same attitude too, that he would want somebody to tell him when he's wrong and show him from Scripture where he's wrong so that he can make it right. As we come back here to verse number 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross... Not Paul's message. Whose message is this? It's the message of Christ. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish, those that aren't saved, those that haven't trusted Christ as their Savior, 
The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Doesn't make sense to them. But unto those which, are, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise," meaning the wise, the wise in this world, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? In other words, we live in a day where, and if you think about it, and I, I'm going to preclude what I'm saying here in a minute, and I'm going to come back and say it. If you go to the Sermon on the Mount, just take the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, uh, chapter number 5, you'll find the Beatitudes. In the Beatitudes, Jesus teaches the people that are listening things that go completely against human nature. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. That's, that's foreign to this group of people listening to him. By the way, that's foreign in the day and age we live, isn't it? We live in a world that is a selfish world. It's a get all you can. Don't share it with anybody. Just get all you can. And, and if somebody does you wrong, you get them back wronger. You know, you do more wrong to them. And you get vengeance. And uh, when somebody is unkind to you, you, you respond by unkindness too. I'm not going to let them trample all over me. The Bible teaches us something different, doesn't it? If a man strike you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek. If a man compels you to go a mile, go with him too. If he takes your coat, give him your cloak also. That's foreign to many people. Seems foolish, doesn't it? Because the natural man, the human nature, doesn't like those kinds of things. Doesn't understand those kinds of things. That's why it says that the wisdom of God, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews required a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach what? We preach Christ crucified. This is Paul saying, listen, I'm not teaching you what man thinks. I'm teaching you what God has said. Man, man is wrong often. He's wrong way more often than he thinks he is. God is never wrong. Man makes mistakes. God never makes mistakes. Man lies. God never lies. And Paul was saying, listen, don't listen to that. And I'll put myself in this group. When I preach, I don't preach Paul. I preach the gospel of Christ. He says in verse number 23, For the preaching of Christ, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God, even the most foolish God is able to be, notice this, is wiser than men. You take the absolute most foolish that God could ever be, and He can't even be foolish, but let's, let's suppose tonight He could be a little bit foolish. And you take the worst foolishness God could even have, it would so far exceed the wisdom of man, we wouldn't even be able to measure it. That's what Paul was getting at. He wasn't saying that God was foolish. He was trying to show the foolishness of thinking that God is foolish. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, the weakness of God is stronger than man. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world 
to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why did, why did God choose to do it this way? Why did God make all of these things different than what man thinks? He tells us in verse number 29 that no flesh should glory in His presence. If man could do it on his own, if man had the answers to life, if man had the answers to eternal life, we would have all the reason to glory. God doesn't share His glory. He made it all because of Him. He turned the wisdom of this world upside down when He came into this world. He began to teach things that these people had never heard before. And they said, it's foolishness. Paul's saying, well, if you don't know Christ as your Savior... The Holy Spirit of God doesn't live inside of you. It'll seem foolish. But those of us that have trusted Him as our Savior, we know them to be true. We know them to be wise. Paul puts it this way, we know it to be the power of Christ. I'm not going to have time to get through all of chapter 2 verse by verse, but I want to skip down, if you will, if you don't mind me moving a little bit ahead. Let's go down to um, let's go down to verse six. You can take time. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not pulling things out of context here. You can read all of chapter two. Everything I'm telling you tonight, you'll find in chapters one and two. We get to chap, verse chapter two, and let's go just for sake of time. Let's go down here. Uh, uh, I, you know what? We're going to take the time. I'm sorry, I can't not do it. <clears throat> let's go to verse one of chapter two. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not. Notice this with excellency of speech or of wisdom. Declaring unto you the testimony of what? Paul said, I'm coming and declaring unto you the testimony of God. Not giving you Paul's testimony, I'm giving you God's testimony. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul is going out of his way. Are we getting the picture? He spent already a whole chapter. He's getting ready to spend another whole chapter saying, listen, don't pay attention to the wisdom of man. It'll always lead you astray. It'll always lead you the wrong way. I was talking with somebody recently, just very recently. And when we begin to, to understand some things that we've had wrong, that's a hard pill to swallow, first of all. But then we start to wonder, well, then where is that which is Right? We have what man says, and it is destined to be wrong. And we have what God says, and it is destined to be truth. It is absolutely truth. So where do we look for truth? I was teaching on the Mormons here just a while back. They're very, very good moral people. I don't think you'll ever meet a Mormon that does not live of, well, I can't say, a, a Mormon that's a practicing Mormon that doesn't live a great life as far as their morals, the cleanliness of life, even their attitude around you. Very, very kind people many times, very gracious. But when they, when they begin to see that 
what they believe is not right is something that a man came up with and not what God has come up with. And then there becomes a void. There becomes a vacuum there. Everything they've held to, everything they've trusted, everything they've believed just crumbled. That's a, that's a sickening feeling sometimes if you've ever been there. Because then you're like, well, now where do I turn? Everything I held true is, is gone. Where do I turn now? The only thing I can think to tell them is turn to the Bible. Because you don't have to depend on a man's thought of something. You have God's Word on it. That is truth. That's why we make such a huge deal in our church about every person carrying a Bible, reading their Bible, studying their Bible, putting the Bible on their laps. Because when you come here and hear me preach, I don't want you to sit here and think, Brother Greg's preaching what he believes and he's finding some Scripture to back it up. I want you to look into the Bible yourself and see that's really what God is saying right there. That's right. That's truth. Brother Greg's not preaching Brother Greg's thoughts. He's preaching God's thoughts. This is what God has said. Not because I'm so close to God. I've just got His Word in front of me. Just like you do. Truth is right here. The Bible says in verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto glory. Move on down, if you will, to... uh, Let's go down to verse number... um, For sake of time, let's go down to verse number 11. For what what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So as long as we're unsaved, we have the Spirit of man in us, those are really the only things we can understand. We don't fully understand a lot of Scripture before we're saved. We fully don't understand a lot of truth before we're saved. Because we don't have the Holy Spirit of God in us. But he goes on to say in verse number 11 that the Spirit of God is the one that knows, knows God the best. And he says that. He says, um, even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. So when we trust Christ as our Savior, we no longer have this Spirit over here that we used to have. Now we have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. And he says in verse number 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. Notice this. This is why we get Him. One of the reasons why. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You ever ever read your Bible and scratch your head and think, I wonder what in the world they're talking about there. When the Holy Spirit of God helps us, we can understand those things. Verse 13, Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. The natural man, and the natural man is nothing more than the man who has not been saved yet. He's still in his natural state. He has not trusted Christ as his Savior yet. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yea, he himself is judged of no man. In other words, everything that he's judged by is judged by the things of God. I I don't worry what man thinks of me. I worry what God thinks of me. 
When I look at my life, if man judges me, I don't care. What I care about is when God judges me, am I following His Word? Am I measuring up to what He has? That's what He's speaking of here in verse number 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brother Greg, how do we have the mind of Christ? Because the Holy Spirit of God, who knows the things of God, lives inside of us. Let me roll it in a nutshell and we'll be done. And I gave you, a, I gave you the super fast version of, verse, of chapter 2. Everything that's out there as far as religion is concerned can be placed into one of two categories. Works or faith. The source of those is either man's wisdom or God's truth. We have to choose. It really is that simple of a thing. Am I going to believe what man has taught me or am I going to trust what God has told me is true? We get to that decision point, and that is the place where we get saved. When we finally say, I'm going to believe this, I'm going to trust this, I'm going to put what God has said into place in my life. I'm trusting what He said. I'm trusting that when He said that if I would call on His name, I would be saved. When I believe in Him, when I trust Him, when I put my faith in Him, that I will be saved. That He will redeem me. That He will make me righteous in His sight. I'm trusting that all of those things that He has promised me are going to be true. I'm, I'm believing that. I'm trusting in that. We need to first make that decision in our own lives. I know we're talking to the Wednesday night crowd here, but I sat in a pastor's home for 13 years. And I heard this preached for 13 years before I finally made a decision where I said I'm going to trust Christ and Him alone. I'm not going to trust the fact that I was born and raised in a pastor's home. I'm not going to trust the fact that mom and dad made us kids live right and that I had enough good that I could get to heaven. I'm not trusting that. I'm trusting that Jesus Christ said He died on the cross for my sins to pay for them. And then He was buried and He rose again the third day, showing that He had the power over death, showing that He had the power to forgive sins. And then He says, if I'll put my faith in Him, He'll forgive me of my sins. He'll make me as if I had never sinned again, nor before. When God looks at me, He'll see a holy and a righteous person. Not because I'm holy and righteous, but because I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God's promised me in Scripture. I'm either going to take what God has told me and put my faith in it, or I'm going to take what man has told me and put my faith in it. When you get an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, and oftentimes you'll find somebody, if you ask them, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? When, when, when you die and you leave this life, are you going to go to heaven? I've heard, I don't know how many times, somebody say, I hope so. What do you mean by that? Well, I hope I've lived a good enough life. We automatically know right where their thoughts are, don't we? They're in works. And what we need to do is understand that they've got a choice to make and show them what that choice is. Not from our perspective, not from our belief or our doctrinal statement, but from God's Word. This book is truth. We don't preach our opinion. We preach what the Bible says. If I ever give an opinion from this pulpit 
I, I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, every time I do, I usually preface it with, now, this is my opinion. Because I don't want you taking that as truth. I want you to know that's my opinion on something. But when it's the Bible, when God has said it, I'll say, this is truth. This is something we stand on. This is something we anchor to. And I hope this will help us tonight, both in our own lives and possibly in the lives of those that we'll get a chance to talk to. And uh, I hope that will be a help to us. All right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, how it, uh, how it helps us along the way, how it guides and directs our steps. And Lord, I'm thankful that You give us Your Holy Spirit to help us understand this book. Lord, I don't know of a single person in this world that were he to ask you for help in understanding this book as he reads it, that you would not give them the understanding, that you would shed the light on the passage, help them to see it. So, Father, I pray that you'd help us to do so in our own lives as we study the pages of it. May we look closely at it. May we think hard on it and meditate upon it. But, Father, most importantly, may we ask your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us and to teach us in these things. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in these last years or days or weeks or months or whatever we have left here in this life. I pray that you'd help us to be diligent, to reach others with the gospel, to share the gospel with them. Lord, we're living in some end times, I believe. And Lord, even if not, the fields are so white unto harvest. There's so, so many people in this world that do not even have an idea of who you are. They've never read a Bible. They've never heard somebody tell them that you love them, that you came to save them from the destruction that they were already heading towards. Lord, many of them don't even understand, don't even know that the end of their ways, the direction they're going, what they're doing with their life is going to lead to a place called hell. Not because they've done anything, but because they haven't put their faith and their trust in You. So, Father, help us to show them the way. Help us to express this to them from Your Word. Lord, not our beliefs, not our doctrines, but what You have to say. Help them to understand it as truth. Help us as we go about doing the work that You've called us to do, sharing with others these wonderful, wonderful truths from Your Word. Give us understanding and boldness. May we be able to share it with them with a heart and a love and a compassion. Dismiss us now with your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.